When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Most of Our Football podcast. We made it, folks. We are here. It is game week. It is week zero. There are some Mountain West games, but before we get to that, mwwire.com. You can find all the stuff we uh, write about. We got picks, we have predictions, we have uh, previews, we have um, my first, Jeremy's Bowl uh, guesses, I like to call. Not just a projection, but sometimes it's a, you know, a guess a little bit here and there. With it being the preseason, but I appreciate everyone who listens to this. All offseason, we did all 12 previews. We did a mega preview last week with some bold predictions and things like that. I'm going solo this. Um, I was going to say this morning. It is at the moment, but uh, whenever you listen to it, who knows what time it is. It could be whenever. Buddy, Our buddy Matt is uh, finishes cross-country drive to from Fresno to uh, Baltimore area, so he's still trying to get internet, trying to figure things out, so hopefully he's able to uh, you know hook up for games this week because you got to Got to watch the Mountain West Slate Week Zero. It's going to be awesome. Well, I know I'm going to say it's awesome because it's football. It's been 200 something days, however many days. If you watched the title championship game last year, there are a few Mountain West games. I saw somebody on Twitter, like you're a sicko if you watch. Who cares? Like, yeah, we like college football. It's awesome. It's going to be great. There's a hand, there's only a handful of games that this weekend, which means you can spread out your day. Well, depending on Mountain West games, are all kind of bunch, which is. Whew. Tough for me, I get that multi-screen setup going, but no, go watch Notre Dame Navy, go watch the Mexico State UMass, watch all the Mountain West games, it's it's going to be good. So, it's just me by myself here going through all these games. So, let's just get to it, nothing else to decide, nothing else to talk about, we want games. First game up on the day, of all morning, of all afternoon, depends where you're at in the country, 4 o'clock Pacific time, 5 o'clock where I'm at, FS1 Ohio, going to San Diego State. Which, this should be the most competitive game of the day. Probably the best game of the day. If the Aztecs favored by just a couple points. Two and a half. Over under. Obviously, Aztecs low. 49 <laughs> points on this one. But this should be a good game. A couple questions. We'll start with Ohio. Not a question, but comments about them. They do have um, you know, a pretty good quarterback. Curtis Roke. Reigning Mack. Offensive player of the year. Had over 3,200 yards. About 25 touchdowns. Only four picks. So, this Aztec secondary, which is usually really good and makes plays. Gonna... Have its work cut out for itself. Um, he completed about 70% of his passes. Um, however, here's a problem. What's going on here? He got injured late in the year, November. Should be back to play ACL. So he didn't even play the whole year. Got first team All-Mac despite missing, I think it was the Ball State game. He was um, out in one of those random, you know, his Mac midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday night games. So he's been recovering. So that is something to watch out for because... In my neck of the woods, Cam Rising got injured on Rose Bowl day, January 1st. They're like, I might be ready for uh, Florida, which is, uh, I think, one of those Thursday games. It's like, that's not happening. But ACL tears, people come back sooner than later. So November, mid-November, I guess at Thanksgiving, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, nine-ish months. And they say he's ready. Pete Thamel's like, yeah, he's good to go. But I... It's going to be, like, how with those type of injury, injuries, like, how confident are you going to be? How is he going to want to plant his leg back there? How how just the confidence? Is he going to want to take off or just take a sack? Is he going to want to, 
throw it away more often and not have to sit in the pocket for an extra second or two to avoid getting hit on that knee, which guarantee didn't do much in spring, nothing obviously in spring. Quarterbacks are always a red jersey, orange jersey, whatever non-contact jersey they're going to give them. So there's that, which that's going to be the biggest storyline to watch. Like he's a good quarterback. If he's ready to go as projected as what's reported, it's going to be a tough day for the Aztec defense, despite we know what San Diego State's defense can do. They one another thing Ohio does have is a reigning MAC freshman of the year. You had uh, say Bengura, who was a top five in rushing yards, third in touchdowns, the over thousand yard guy. So if they're going to lean heavily on him, if work can't can't go, like if he's any sort of a limited or, but I regardless, they're going to just hand the ball off anyways. Why wouldn't they? Because you have a great great running back. From the MAC, one of the best players in their conference last year, and if your quarterback's hesitant, and that could help Rourke as well because play action, they got Aztecs defense, um, they got to respect that running game, and so that's going to be something where they're going to have to watch and see what he can do. Like in November, here's the thing: when he when Rourke was out in three games, he had over 130 yards in the final five games of the year. So that shows what he's able to do without their starting quarterback. And they do have a bunch of receivers back. Like they have a Sam Wiggles, if I'm going to say it correctly, Wigluz, I'm going to say. Wigluz, that sounds about right. Um, 73 catches, 11 TDs. They have multiple guys back. Like they did lose, the only lost James Boasting to graduation, it was pretty good. But they have a bunch of receivers who had multiple touchdowns, like guys like Jacoby Jones who had six TDs. Miles Cross had three TDs. They have a lot of guys who... A lot of really good guys who made plays last year. And so that's an area. So even if Rourke's like, oh, I'm not sure. He has talent out there to help him out to find who's open. Offense is going to be pretty explosive. And this is a great test for San Diego State because it's it's exciting to open up and watch a, you know, I mean, like a, a real good team play. Like, oh, they're from the MAC. this. Like, Max Spring Conference, they have some good teams out there. And so what we what we expect for San Diego State is like to be challenged defensive. Uh, they're the defense, which most times, oh, it's just Essex defense is really good. Yeah, but this Ohio offense is going to – it's good test. better than playing Idaho State or some random FCS team. And as we've seen with San Diego State, if their offense struggles, defense has to carry a lot of weight to keep it to a low-scoring game, which, again, projected 49 over-under. Game being played at Snapdragon, if I didn't mention them before, so they do get that home crowd. And this is only the second time they played. They played in the Frisco Bowl in 2018, where Ohio um, did pretty good, 127 in that game a couple years ago, which we don't want to talk about, but it happened. So that's just that's way in the past, but it's just something, okay, they have played recently against these two teams. But I just look at thinking what San Diego State's defense is expected to do. And who they have coming back, and the players that are on this team, like when they when they go through historically for what San Diego State does, they always have the linebackers, they always have defensive backs out there, they always have a, a pass rush within the conference, and typically, eh, maybe not necessarily nationally, but overall, everybody knows what this defense that Rocky Long started years ago. We got Manic Manic's back there running the show now, doing his uh. Thing on running the running the defense as one of the best court coordinators and <laughs> more in the co- in the conference there. Apologies, I Maddox Maddox. I don't know what I'm talking about there. With Kurt Maddox there <laughs> running that defense. A little, uh, just for some reason, it's one of those like oh crap, one of those little things what we have going on. But when you look at the sitting city defense, like how are they going to match up against this game? It's like okay, what player, what scheme, what what are they going to do? To, it's not that they pick or choose. I would expect 
if you can't think what San Diego State does and what you have get what they're going up against Ohio, uh, quarterback coming back from ACL tear, they're going to, ACL tear. They're going to want to put a lot of pressure on there. And one of the big players, obviously, Cody Moon came over for New Mexico. Like he's a linebacker. He's going to be legit first team All Conference preseason guy. He's going to want to make a name for himself. Like they're going to unleash him, allow him to do lots of things, and just go after this uh, type of offense. What Ohio wants wants to do. And I think they'll be successful because I think they'll be able to break through because assuming Rourke is somewhat, I don't know, gets freaking nine months return. Like, I don't have all that confidence in him being the dude that was last year through November, early November before he got injured and was just done for the year. I just don't know if he can get back to that pace and production what he did, even with all the receivers back, with one of the best running backs in the Midwest in the MAC with their reigning, reigning MAC um, Offensive player of the year, but we look at Aztecs like besides Moon, you got like Garrett Fountain, who made our all second team defensive end, Cooper McDonald. There, you have all these guys in the front seven for San Diego State, where it's just going to attack. I think that's what Maddox is going to do just attack this offense and force Rourke to move, see if he's mobile, see if he's not like not to, obviously not to go out and injure him or anything. And that's low blow and stuff you don't want to deal with, or be you're not pulling. Bounty Gate and the Saints, what they did a while back. But it's going to be something where they want to make him uncomfortable, make him move around, see how well that knee really is. Because this is legit probably going to be his first action. Well, I guarantee Ohio wasn't having him go full full go in practice or live, I should say, at least where he can get hit. He's doing a lot of movement drills, getting the knee, twisting, turning, sidestepping, see what he can move, go up in the pocket, sideways. All those type of things are going to happen. But I, I just think, I know, I think... I think plays will be had against this defense because the Aztec defense is good, but I don't think it's elite, elite like it used to be. It's going to be really good. They have a lot of players that are going to make a name for themselves, especially in Moon, who's like, tackle machine, get out there. So I think the Ohio's offense has reasonable good good success, but I think it's going to be, they're going to get to Rourke a couple of If I make like some bold prediction, I could see Rourke getting sacked like maybe three times this game, just with, because think about it from his end. Okay, I got hurt last year. My knee, is going to be overthinking it? Is he going to want to, change how he plays a little bit maybe not instinctly but it's like he's gonna guy comes up he's gonna want to step in the pocket take a throw when the guy's gonna get come hit him when he knows he's gonna get hit if he throws the ball or is he just gonna kind of fall down and not worry about it so he protects the leg and knee those are things to consider with that type of injury now for the offense for San Diego State Ryan Lindley new OC obviously passing king from years ago does this mean they're gonna give Jalen Maiden and throw the ball a bit more hope so because that'd be awesome if the Aztecs can throw the ball we've seen what Maiden could do last year and when he got a chance, remember, he came in, take over for um, Braxton Burmeister, Will Haskell, all those type of guys early on. I think the Utah game was his first uh, contest. I don't recall. It was early last year. But everybody knows the story. Played DB, played quarterback at high school. Came in mid-year. It's like from safety QB. So it's not like he had a bunch of to all that much training and practice time. So I could see him taking a huge step and being a reason San Diego State could not just win this game, but win a couple others down the road, just because he's a bit mobile. Problem is, guys like Tyrell Shavers, um, J.C. Matthews are gone catching the ball. Those receivers are no longer there. Running game, as we know, has not been ideal the past couple of years. And so it's like, not since Greg Bell first half COVID year 2020, it hasn't been. I know Donald Pumphrey's one of the best ever. Shard Penny, one of the best ever. First-round pick Seahawks, which is even surprising. He was still, still a first-round pick. It's just, I don't know how well it'll be because it's it hasn't been great the past couple years it's been okay not even okay it's just been 
not what Aztec football is. That's what's made their production and made them good. Where, okay, we know we don't throw the ball a ton. We're going to run it and have a guy get four and a half, five yards of carry. But when that doesn't happen and you're relying on quarterback play that wasn't great at the beginning of last year, that's going to be concerned. That's what I want to see against uh, this Ohio team is if they can get a running game going to help out Jalen Maiden. I think it'll be good, which I'm kind of, I'm not kind of like, it's like him and uh, Taylor Green. Like they're going to take huge steps. I think Green's a more polished quarterback from what we've seen. But also depends on the offense. It's a newish offense running with Lindley, who, again, I don't think he's going to stray away from what Brady Hook wants to do and kind of not keep it conservative, but not necessarily take too many shots down the field very often. They will when needed. But they're, they want to be more run-heavy team, like maybe 60-40, somewhere in that range. I just, I just want to see what this offense could be because that'll be interesting and what they could be. Like there are some surprises on the depth chart overall and you look at what they what they put in there for both sides of the ball. But I think offensively they're just gonna it's gonna be what San Diego State does, but I think they need to open up a little bit more for Maiden to make plays. Cause I think he could be a playmaker on this team where he's able to roll the pockets, run on his own, help out with RPO play action, those type of things. Um and they do have a good offensive line like Braden Crenshaw Dixon is one of the team's best offensive linemen. Um He's pretty good. He played with both the first and second unit 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 there throughout spring in and fall. So they have a bunch of experienced linemen up front, which will help that running game as well. Um, a couple guys like Christian Jones think will be good. Uh, Drew Asperati should be good and ready to play. And O line coach Mike Mike Goff is like he's going to give Jones a start to be the guy, but it's going to be. I think they have depth there and experience, and that's it's been that's also part of the reason why the running game hasn't been great. And so. I think if that could be better with a bunch of promise, not necessarily experience, um, coaches are going to find a way with no preseason how they're going to line these guys up and see what they play. And they play at Ohio. Luckily, it's a home. It's a solid team. It's not an easy game where you get overconfident. It's not a game where you get blown out if they play some top 10 team or something. So we're going to see because it's kind of in flux a little bit. But it seems like they have guys that are they're going to be good up there. That, that could be... That could take the step from what they had the past couple of years. So that's something we've seen. And I, as for prediction here, I don't want to ramble too much because we've only got a couple games here and don't need to hear one side ramble. I'm going Ohio to win. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa. Why did I say that that way? That is not what I meant. Oh, my goodness. That is that a Freudian slip that's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I know what it is. I have this Ohio page up here of notes, and it says Ohio Big Bull Bobcats. No. I think the Aztecs home. What am I thinking here? See? Now, Aztec fans are going to stop. Like, this guy hates my team. No, nah, I think it's two and a half. Aztec's favorite. I think they'll win, but it's going to be like, if you're putting any hard American cash, take the under, man. I think it might be like 24-17, something along those lines. It'll be pretty reasonably close, but I'm going to San Diego State to win. All right, next game. Southeastern Conference Network. Yeah, SEC Network. Hawaii traveling east to Vanderbilt. That is a, um, let's see, 7.30 Eastern kick. So what's that? One thirty Hawaii, mid-afternoon. Vandy's a 17-point favorite. And if you've seen pictures on Twitter, they're a little... I'm not sure the most recent update as of current time, but that and one of the end zones is... um, It's not great. And we talked about this throughout the offseason podcast here or there, especially I think our big preview last week, where basically it's like you, there's like no yardage after the end zone, and you're in a construction zone. Good thing they had helmets on, I guess. But this game last year, oh my gosh. Like I thought, oh, Vanderbilt's not that great. They should be improved. Even from last year, 
last year was like it was Timmy Ching's first year last season, so that there's that to consider. He's rolling into year two. He's got some more of his guys because Todd Graham took a lot of transfers or transfers left, but due to Graham's behavior, and when he got pushed out for his just I'll be nice and say shenanigans, <laughs> if you want to keep it that way. But last year's game was like 63-10, a beyond beatdown. Nobody thought it'd be that bad. Like it was I think we all knew Vanderbilt probably would win, but it's like there's no way we thought they'd lose by 50 points last year. 50 points. And so I think it'll be closer this year. I think what we want to see with Hawaii, they're bringing back the run and shoot. They're going to want to run the ball up or pass the ball up more. Run. They, no, they do want to run the ball. What am I talking about? They do They do have some guys to, to run the ball. But with the run and shoot, just because it's called, obviously the run is in the, run is in the name. But they're going to go four wide, three wide, maybe two backs. You're going to look for Braden Schrager, who's an experienced quarterback, to make some plays back there. It's better than having a brand new guy, clearly, because that's lame experience, clearly better. But running the ball, they do lose a Dedrick Parson from last year. But Tylen Hines has got to take a big step. He, We talked about them also off, all offseason. 7.6 yards per run rush, but only 83 carries. Like That production is not going to scale up if he gets 150 carries. But if he can get about 5, if he's at 5.00, that puts him about top 15 in the conference. About what Brad Roberts had last year for Air Force and above him. Is back up. Well, I mean, he made 50 carries. That doesn't count. Like uh, Aiden Robbins at UNLV, 1,000 yards, 4.84. So it's sticking around the top 15, top 12-ish for the conference, which would be great for Hawaii. So I think they'll lean on him a bit, but they're going to want it. Timmy Ching is going to throw, throw, throw a lot to receivers that they have out there. And when we look at what, Vader, what Vanderbilt is bringing to the table, so there we did a Q&A with a Vanderbilt guy. I'm trying to find some info here. I'm trying to, for some reason, of course, I misplaced what I'm looking at here. But Vanderbilt, okay, I'll tell you something funny about Vanderbilt. So, SEC Media Days has, like, hundreds of voters. And, like, there's always a bunch of knuckleheads, like, probably half a dozen that picked them to win the SEC. And so it's like, yeah, they did pick that, but they're not going to win the SEC. We know they're not going to win the SEC. So it's like, what are they doing? They're just trying to screw around and mess with things. Um, but here's what, like, I talked to guys, Thomas Stevenson, who does, who does stuff for Covers Vanderbilt quite well. So one thing they mentioned, like, they're a lot deeper than they've been, particularly up front. So that's a concern of Hawaii, whose depth is always concerned, and they're still re- rebuilding that depth from a couple years, from Todd Graham, everybody transferring and leaving. So that's always an issue. So if they're bigger up front in, tre- in the trenches, um, they do, one thing they do have an issue, um, Darren Agu is out for the season opener. It should be star defensive in the SEC. So he's been really, really good. But I guess during spring and fall, they've mentioned like it's not really that big a deal despite him being a player, and that could contribute to the depth they have up front. Um, it's interesting with that because Vanderbilt's usually, if they have a good guy and they're out, it's like, oh, you're toast. So the only big question mark they have is like they have depth, but like they don't have outside of Agu, but he's not playing, like star, star talent on the defensive side of the ball up front. So if that's the case, like if they have good depth, okay, they can rotate guys in and out against Hawaii. It's like, oh, shoot, what are they going to do here? Is it going to up against that offensive line? Is Braden Schrager going to be protected? Can Hines run the ball well enough? Like if they're going to have those type of um, protection and that type of uh, just basically be able to make plays, you don't want to – because run and shoot, what it does, gets rid of the ball quickly. Like Hines will run the ball well. But Schrager is going to be like, okay, how quickly is he going to have to get rid of the ball? But that's what they want to do. So that could offset that a little bit. And so maybe that will be able to just kind of give an, an edge, like scheme edge, not necessarily talent edge they have. Um, 
So I think the offense, it'll explosive and make some plays. Because you look at the over-under, it's sitting at a reasonable 656.5. And based on last year, hammer the over if you want to. I, I do think Vanderbilt will sort of slow down Hawaii's offense. But I think they'll make plays. Like, they'll be able to, Hawaii's get a breakthrough with how much they pass. They're going to get some points. I think they can hang around for a minute. But when you look at the at the other flip side of the ball, so it's like uh, they have a start, Will Shepard. <laughs> the guy puts a good start. And over a thousand, uh, so he's going to be a guy to make a play. They do have a thousand rusher. Um, they lost Ray Ray Davis, which is a big blow to uh, transfer to Kentucky. And there's no real good replacement for him. So the offense will have like they got Shepard who catch the ball. AJ Swan is a good arm talent, but and had a strong debut against Northern Illinois. But against NIU, wasn't special. Um, and both of Vanderbilt's two SEC wins last year came with backup Mike Wright, who's now at Mississippi State's played. So, it's like Cole Spencer, tight end, is supposed to be back and play well. ACL tear out for the season. So, the offense is kind of questionable for what they can really have outside of uh, Will Shepard there. And so, I don't know, man. I just don't know they can move the ball all that well. That's the thing. Like, Hawaii's defense, it'll be okay. It'll be fine for what they have. But, like, I just, it's concerning. Like, okay, Vanderbilt has depth up front. Okay, good. They have, but they lose the playmakers. They have wide receiver. They lose quarterbacks that played last year. Like, guys transfer. Guys aren't in team anymore. Like, maybe it's A.J. Swan who'll step up and make a big play. So, offense, I still, I think Hawaii could cover those points. I just scared of last year. Like, when they get got beat by 50 points. And so, here's one thing as well that I should bring up as well. I'm kind of going through the questions. This is posted on MWR.com as well. So, I'm kind of just using my notes here to what was provided to me from wanting to get the insight. Their pass defense was not good. And they're like, not good. Now I was with like Jeremy Lucian, who is really good. And it's going to be on NFL roster. Um, they did have a, the guys coming back like BJ Anderson, Ty, Tyson Russell struggled a lot. And I guess they're injured their hope on a couple of true for true and retro freshmen. I don't know, man. They like Trudel Berry and a Martel height. Like, I don't know, man. I guess the one guy they have is a, their, their safety, Jalen Mahoney, but that I, do you want to have two? Okay. Braden Traeger is not legit, not amazing. The best quarterback, he's good. But average, but like if you put any experienced quarterback going up going up against a uh, secondary that has a couple fresh who've never played, one safety that's good, and they're one of the better players moving on. Because when you look at what they did last year, like uh, in past defense, kind of raw stats a little, but not necessarily the best uh, thing to go with. They were last in yards per attempt, 8.7. They only had six interceptions. They had the... They gave up the most touchdowns at 29. Um, they were thrown against reasonable amount, 33 game. They gave up like the completion percentage, which is a pretty good set to look at. They were, where'd it go here? Near, let's see, let me refresh CFP stats here. They were last at 64.4%. So this is an area like, I know, flipping sides of the ball. And they gave the most yards per, per game last year. Second most, Arkansas was the worst. But the yards per play, the QB rating was the worst as well within the uh, conference, SEC there. So there's chances where... I think that's why I think Hawaii can keep it close. And new running shoot. Like if they have I think it's two freshman DBs back there, one good safety, they lose one guy who's gone, could be NFL roster. It's like if they're running four to five out there, they need two more guys to come in and play. So I do think it's gonna make sense regardless. They're gonna want to throw the ball Hawaii with Timmy Chang. And if this defense in secondary is one of this kind of uh, newish guys and that's their weak spot and Hawaii's strength is passing. I think that's I think that's that's a good comment, good recipe for Hawaii to keep it close. So I do think Vanderbilt probably have enough just because strength wise, talent wise, they'll have more. But 
the prediction they put out there is 45-21. I, I'm going to go Hawaii's going to cover but not win. So I'm, I think it'll be like, let's see, 40-24, to 24, somewhere in that range. 38-24, somewhere. I'll go 38-24. Two touchdown win for Vanderbilt. But it'll be close. It'll be interesting. I think they'll pull away with the depth they mentioned they have. But I think there'll be a lot of passing going on for Schrager, and he'll have a pretty good game. All right, one last game of the weekend. Oh, man, only three this week. That means this is a quick show, folks. San Jose State at USC. Oh, man. Pac-12 Network. Five Pacific there in the Coliseum. You have USC, a 31-point favorite. 31? Over under 66. Take the over right now. I don't care because it's going to happen. They're going to score points. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be both teams going to score points, obviously. And I guess the big question, again, Pac-12 Network. If you need Pac-12 Network, check out our game preview. We've got a FUBO link where you can get a free trial. Just go hook that up for seven days. So that's always exciting, too, if you want to tune into this game for the swan song of the Pac-12 and Pac-12 Network. So I did. I talked to guys at Charge and Wire, and they're a great resource. If you want to go read what, they, what they've what they written about it, they talk to coaches, they get everything you need to be ready. And, like, the big thing is, again, again, Alex Grinch is okay. He's defense coordinator. We know the offense, like, Lincoln Riley is their head coach. Like, when has he ever had a good defense, Oklahoma or otherwise? When he's with, uh, I think it's Texas Tech, D- uh, OC at some point. But he's obviously Oklahoma head coach. Mike, been Bob Stoops. I'm going to say the other Stoops. But comes to USC, overall's roster in the new portal era where you can get players right away, like when he brought in Jordan Addison and other players, Caleb Williams most notably. Mario Williams is in town. And so when you look at what the defense, Alex Grinch, the DC's, okay, what are we talking about here? What's What's the deal? Like, what are we going to see from their defense? That's kind of what you want to know of what's going on. So what he's talked about, Sam Cordero. Remember, Cordero could be Spartans. Preseason Mount was played here. We know exactly who he is. He's a good quarterback. And one thing um, Alex Grinch says, like, he's slippery. He can make, make a bad play good. So it's like elusiveness, those type of things. Um, running quarterback, which is great against his defense. That couldn't tackle. Like, we, I saw a Utah guy see what... Cam Rising it against USC. They put up a lot of points. They cannot tackle. And tackle into a weird thing. I know they brought in some transfers to come in to help that defense, but I don't know if it's enough. But he has ability to get yards downfield, which you know, extending plays, which is huge. And he gets defense. Like, even if they're 10% better, that's still good, but maybe not great. So Alex Grinch is aware of how good he's going to be. Cordero gets his defense. So obviously, that's going to be the big thing. Kyrie Robinson. San Jose State running the ball. We all know we talked about offseason and last year when he does well. It's a dumb statement. Oh, if he does well, they're going to play well, clearly. He needs to be more consistent against his Trojan defense, which it'll be tough. Like, they're 31-point underdog for a reason. I, I think ultimately, not to give prediction out, kind of keep talking about who they have, but when you look at what USC does, like Caleb Williams, he's going to want to throw the ball a lot. He's going to put up points. The Spartan secondary defense, they're going to have to – scheme and do and like I guess get after Caleb Williams if they can sack him if they can hit him that's obviously you don't want to injure a guy like I mentioned before but if you make him uncomfortable back there make him second guess for half a second that could be enough to make a play here or there um I just I don't know man it's not it's gonna be tough for San Jose State to keep pace I think they can score points that's why I think the over is quite interesting at 66 where it could be easily done I, I do think USC will probably put about 40, but I can see San Jose State. I, don't, I just think the 31 points, that's too many because what's the point of winning 50 to, 55 to 10 if they can? I think San Jose State's offense is too good 
to to be stymied against the USC defense. I know it's a trope, like, oh, they're bad, they're not going to be great. But until they prove it to me, and this being game one, I'm not going to fall for it and say, oh, they're going to be great because Alex Grinch taught guys how to tackle. They couldn't tackle last year. And if you have a mobile quarterback who could slide around, I just, like, when you look at what USC was unable to do defensively in the, just in the Pac-12, like, their total defense, like, they were not great in all these categories. Like, they gave up six and a half yards per play near the bottom. They're passing wasn't defense wasn't great. Their rushing defense wasn't great. So overall, they weren't very good. They weren't. I don't believe they're great at creating all this many turnovers. I could double check here really quick because I don't have that stat in front of me. But it's it's just like looking at the court. They one thing they were good at. Here's what I will give them credit for. They were good at sacking the quarterback. They had 40 sacks, only one behind Utah. So that's one thing where Shavon Cordero needs to. Look at the offensive line needs to sidestep and get that play action. Kyrie, Kyrie Robinson back there running the ball. That's one area where USC can really get after him. So he had about almost what, three sacks a game, just about. They played 14 contests last year. So that is the one area of defense where, oh, they're not very good not doing this. They are good at creating, uh, getting after the quarterback. And also, one thing, too, that helped out, they were the best of the Pac 12 in, in turnovers gained. So they were plus 21, which is amazing. But okay, what are the. May look at the margin, like so. Again, th- these type of stats are probably regression will happen. Like they're one point five a game. They like in a Pac twelve. I'm gonna look nationally real quick, but they were plus twenty one. Next close to Oregon, plus nine. Holy crap! So that and then they gained twenty eight. They had nineteen picks, nine fumbles. So while tackling is a concern for what they could do, but when you look at when they but they make plays, so that's the thing that could offset that. Like what maybe USC. Will make plays, but San Jose State goes down the field, breaks a couple of tackles, don't get picked off, don't don't lose the ball, those type of things. Now I'm looking, now I'm interested in turnover margin because I did not look at this before the season. I know this is a great podcast to be looking over turnover margin here nationally, but plus twenty one, yeah, they're the best in the country, and par- partially, though he gave up the ball seven times. But when you look at interceptions, they were nineteen, which is third in the country, and fumbles, they were nine, which was uh, pretty good. It's like. Top 40-ish, somewhere in that range. So combined with what Caleb Williams not turning the ball over and what the defense can do, like interceptions, that's going to be a thing. Cordero's going to be careful back there throwing the ball. So those are areas where defense people, you know, it's not that Ben won't break. They'll allow points. They will allow yards. They'll just make, they'll turn the field quickly to help Caleb Williams out and stop you from scoring. So I think that is the area where San Jose State needs to uh, focus on hold the ball, which is dumb. Hold the ball, turn limit turnovers is stupid. It's silly. That's what it is. But I think they'll make plays. I think they'll keep it somewhat close for a little bit. I think it's going to be like, I think USC will get to 40, but I think it'll be 40-21. I think it'll be somewhere in that range where USC goes like 35 points. They score like five touchdowns. I could see it a couple field goals. So I guess I'll go 41-20. And that's still 21 points. That's what covers. Ah, it doesn't hit the over, man. Oh, I gotta, I gotta change my pick there because I think the over is for a sure thing here at 66. 66 is a lot of points. I'll go, I'll go 45, uh, 45 24. That'll do it there at 69 points. So that's what I think could happen. And if you're in the area, go check out the game. This will be like looking at all the games of the weekend Notre Dame, Navy. Okay, cool. Ohio State and State is probably going to be the most contested, best game. But if you want to see some offense and see some fun, find your Pac 12 network, get to San Jose State, USC, watch that game. Heck, if you're in the area, drive down for San Jose, San Jose to watch. It's 20 bucks to get in. Go see the Coliseum. Why not go have some fun? Go get some good food. Go to the beach or something. I don't know. It's a different beach in Northern California, I'm aware. But just go have some fun and go check out games. So 
That does it for our Week 0 preview. We'll be back for a Week 0 recap. Odds are it's going to be myself, so if you like me, great. If not, well, you got me only <laughs> to recap these uh, trio of games. So I have uh, Mountain West, unfortunately, going 1-2. and two. Do I see Hawaii upset Vandy? I'm like, a lot will need to happen, but I, it's similar to USC defense. I can't predict them to win when they got their butt handed to them by 50 points last year. And also, check out our Hawaii preview by Buddy Scott. He puts in some links because all the unfortunate wildfires and devastation going out there in Maui and, and Hawaii. So there's the, uh, was it the Maui Strong Fund. So we have a couple links in there if you're so inclined to go get 5, 10, whatever you're able to do, or even just share the links. That does, a, a, does amazing things as well, just sharing where other people could give if you're unable to at the moment. But if you can, yeah, go get 5 bucks. Got the Hawaii Way Fund, the Maui Strong Fund. We got some links on our preview right now on our um, Hawaii versus Vanderbilt kind of game preview, how to watch type stuff. So you're able to uh, give a few bucks, go for it, share it at the very least. That'd be awesome as well to help everybody out to get awareness, which people should be aware, but there's a lot to rebuild of that part of the country. So it's a pretty, pretty terrible situation, but we'll, I guess we'll have to end on that apology, but yeah, go make everybody happy. Go give a few bucks and let, brighten somebody's day and say, Hey, we get, we're helping you out in Hawaii. So go rainbows. Um, yeah, go Sp- Spartans, Aztecs, and we'll be back in a couple of days. Um, check us out on Twitter, MWC wire, probably Maybe we'll hop on threads, figure it out too. It's the same handle there at the uh, Instagram uh, clone of Twitter. <laughs> Other offshoot, I guess you want to call it. But a right, fun, great weekend. This is your kind of easy, easing into the game. Okay, all games are within the hour of each other, so figure out your screen situation. I, I know, I think Fubo, at least on my, an Apple TV, dev- Apple TV device I have for work, you can do the multi-screen there. I'm not sure if it's on every TV. I have a Roku at home. I haven't tested it yet because I use Fubo primarily, so it's a great service. Just saying. Find your multi-screen option of choice to put the different apps on there, different channels. And, yeah, everybody have a great weekend. And, oh, man, it's back. Football is great. Next week we'll have a million games going on, and we'll have, keep doing the same stuff we've been doing. So we'll see you next time, folks. Everybody have a good weekend. And, yeah, football's back, man. Make your best food. Have your best food. Do Try something weird this weekend. It's like, oh, man, I got there's no games on. My t- You're a Boise fan, but hey, go scout San Diego State. Go watch what's going on. Just tune in the game. It's here. We've only got, like, 15 weeks of awesomeness and this very long off season, so enjoy every moment of every game when you, within reason when you can. So I'm good, folks. We'll see you next time.